and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamentalism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, author, podcaster, uh, master of shenanigans. I'm coming to you all the way from the Fundamentalism Studio, but it, it pales in comparison to today's guests. Um, before I introduce to today's guest, which is like I am super excited about because music is my everything, I'd like to shout out to my second everything outside of my family, Charlie Hustle, the sponsor of the Fundamentalism Podcast. They've been with us from the jump. If you know nothing of Charlie Hustle, go to charliehustle.com. So without further ado, our, our guest today, he is killing the game. I mean, like, when I say killing the game, when I think of things that lift me up and specifically fundamentalism or the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle, music is like my jump off. That's my one thing that just gets me going no matter what I'm doing. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome Grammy nominated producer, writer, vocal. This dude's work with Ariana, Ariande, uh, Justin Bieber. You may have heard of him. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, Effie, Jill Scott, Mario, Diana Ross, Evan Ross, and now Paul J. Long, my guy, Joe Black. What's, What's going on? What's going on? Man, man. I need you to bring me out wherever I go. You know what I, mean? I could do that. I mean, you know how you get paid for beats. I get paid to be yeah. out, guys. So there you go. So Joe, like, I'm so curious about your background, your passion, the first albums that you ever had, all that stuff. But before we get into it. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you do for fun. What gives you strength? I'm a big, uh, I like being around my family and my friends. So it's one of those things like, I just like hanging out. Like one of my favorite spots is Top Golf. So, okay. you know, I'm not the greatest golfer, but I like to go out there and just, you know, have a little fun. So Top Golf is like one of my pastimes. And honestly, like music's been my therapy anyway. So like if it's going out and listening to live music, if it's on the Vine or wherever I am, it's kind of like a good thing. It's therapy for me. Just the, just the musicianship and just the camaraderie between people, just to hear other people's style and visions of of this thing we call music, which is a universal language. So for that's, sure. my, that's my fun. Well, listen, I appreciate it so much. I believe that music is the great uniter. Like, I feel like yeah. no matter what emotion you want to feel, Joe, we can find a song that's going to help evoke that emotion. So when you yeah. talk about music or when you, uh, when you start to... Uh, reference what you've done in the past and i hear some beats and all that stuff like i feel energy like i feel that enthusiasm so while yeah. you say that maybe i could uh invite you out someplace like to be your hype man dude you don't need that you got the beats like <laughs> you, <All right. laughs> like ice cube jacker for beats right <laughs> so top golf i didn't know this about you i'm still waiting uh, my invite must have got lost in the mail. Uh, I'm not good. No, no, no. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> so uh, 18th and Vine. I know that you've spent some some time down at 18th and Vine. You just referenced yeah. it and hanging out. I know you weren't there last night. You were a parlor bar, KC. Yeah. Uh, I heard you listen to that Jagged Edge uh, in the background. I think oh, it was. Yeah, it's a good 90s music, man. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about your experience at 18th and Vine. 18th and Vine, if you're if you're listening to us and you don't know anything about the Kansas City area, 18th and Vine is just absolutely amazing, uh, historical, fantastic for African-American culture. Uh, the Negro Leagues Museum is down there. Former podcast guest Bob Kendrick resides down there or at least reps down there. And I know, Joe, that you've been crucial in drawing attention to 18th and Vine. So talk to us about that and your passion for it. 
It's so funny because um, I was in LA and I had uh, I had an opportunity to kind of meet Quincy Jones and I was talking to him and he asked me where I was from and I he said I told him Kansas City and he was like I'm I'm mad at Kansas City and I was like why why are you mad at Kansas City he was like because you you let the history go he felt like he had been in that in Kansas City and 18th and Vine area was so strong so that was years ago and so I was like yo. That's so imperative that if I could do anything that it bring attention, I'll just shout it out or whatever I could do to be a part and just to keep that rich history that's down there in 18th and Vine, like I want to be a part of. So, you know, it's a lot of patrons that are down there that have been putting in their blood, sweat, and tears. So I never want to take away from them, but I always want to push people to their businesses because it's just a good, fun place to be, no matter what I have to say about it. It's a great place to be. It's a good community. And I just want that energy and that synergy to come back. And it's and the vine is actually booming now. So I'm, I'm excited to see. And just any way I can be a part of that, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Listen, uh, as you know, obviously 18th and Vine, just that rich history of jazz music, right? And uh, something that that unites us and, and the world, as we talked about before. Just casually name dropping, dropping Quincy Jones. I like that. Uh, but when you <laughs> when, <laughs> when you uh, when you started your work uh, or at least drawn attention to 18th and Vine, I thought I saw, and this was prior to us kind of getting to know each other, hooping over uh, at Luther's gym. Uh, didn't you do some way, some work yes. with Soiree or something down there? Yeah, so I had a we called it um, on a Tuesday. We had our open mic night there, and so man, it, when I tell you, it was such a beautiful thing from. You could see congressmen to attorneys, just or to the average person, or just you could see all walks of life at on the on a Tuesday night, and everybody was just coming together, and it was the it was just the focus on the artist that was on the stage at that time, and you just really were introduced to artists and you, musicians that you probably never knew were in this city, and like they're on the stage, you're like, where did they come from? Like, why haven't they been out? Why ain't they signed a deal? You know, so. It's one of those things like with Anita, we, we created something. I felt like it was super special. And Shanita brought me over there and she was like, yeah, I think it'd be cool if you do this. And then so um, me and Anita hooked up, who was the owner of Soiree, and we did the Tuesdays. And they, they really took off faster than I even expected. I probably even heard uh, we both expected it. So it, it was a good time, just good energy. And just to know I had some, some I call them old heads. I had the old heads come up and say, hey, man, this is how the vine used to be. And I was like, ah, that, that got my heart, you know, like to be able to bring that same energy that they felt back in the day was something for me, you know. So, so many nuggets to unpack there. Like whenever you say old heads, I'm immediately reminded of Spice Adams if you follow him on IG. <laughs> He's the funniest guy in the world. Uh, but, you know, music is so powerful. I have always longed to be in music. Like I wish I have a skill set in speaking. I'm not great at math. I'm not great at uh, logistics, even scheduling. Joe, as you know, uh, is not a yeah, skill. It's more <laughs> me than you. <laughs> no, man. It's both. So, but like music is that one thing that I always wish I had, but I never like devoted much attention to it, you know? But despite that, uh, regardless of whether I, I, I've worked on developing a skill in music, I don't avoid it. So if there's an open yeah. mic night uh, or, you know, if there's a dance floor, I'm going to get after it. And I don't give yeah. a damn what anybody thinks of me. So my question to you is, you are very fluent in uh, the language of music. 
but mainly more producing, uh, based on my understanding. I know that you yeah. probably sing as well. What is your go-to karaoke song on an open mic night? It is Pony. <laughs> Pony by Genuine. This is my brother. Everybody knows Pony. They're going to rock out with you. They're going to vibe with you. And it's going to be a good time. You know, like, I don't care who you are. If you're black, if you're white, if you're Hispanic, if you're, you know Pony. So I'm going to the go-to that's going to get the whole crowd hyped, you know. And then my, they'll tell you my other go-to is um, Can You Stand the Rain? And the reason I buy a new edition and the reason I sing that song all the time is because that was one of the last songs me and my father sang together mm. before he passed away. So people think I'm just singing it just to be singing it all the time. It's just like, no, that's my memory of my father that I like to cherish and keep going on with. So, yeah. So Can You Stand the Rain is also another song that I just like. I'm, it's my go-to. It's mm. my go-to. Yeah. You know, what's amazing about that is, uh, you know, music. I think everybody could relate a memory or a relationship connection that you've had to a certain song. Right. And so when I hear you talk about your relationship with your father and what that song means to you, uh, my father has has also passed away. And when he passed, like there was uh, several days where I I really didn't grieve because I was cross country and I had to think about how to get my family back home so we could, uh, so we could be here for the services and all that stuff. And it wasn't until I got in my car and I heard a song, uh, which at the time was like Death Cab for Cutie, I Will Follow You Into the Dark, that ultimately created this emotional connection where it was just waterworks. And that's the right? I know. But whenever I hear uh, Can You Stand the Rain, I'm always reminded that um, New Edition sang it. But see, that's not my favorite version. My favorite version is from Boys to Men. You heard that one? I haven't heard that one. Oh my gosh, Joe, do yourself a favor. Uh, now I'm not a great singer, uh, uh, but when they hit, they hit that, that last note, whoa, I can't do it, but it goes for like, it literally goes for a minute. And my boys oh, and I, we would almost that. try to like save, uh, we got to have enough air in there to be able to get <laughs> <That's right. laughs> So, uh, my go-to song of course is Juicy, uh, by Notorious hey. People know that, but, uh. I like it. Very similar to your message of, uh, you know, your relationship with your father. It talks about obviously creeping on a come up and never envisioning mm-hmm. all of this. Uh, and then also, of course, there's a Super Nintendo Sega Genesis reference. Uh, and when I was dead broke, I couldn't picture this. But uh, how'd you get into music, man? Like you found a job that literally brings you joy and happiness. Like it is your fundamentalism or a fundamental of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. How'd you find that? It was funny. I, like, literally, I can honestly say I probably fought it for a long time. Um, I was raised in the church. My dad's a pastor. All my uncles are pastors or ministers and preachers. And so it was one of those things in church. It was I grew up singing and, and having to play. And my mom played the piano and the organ for the church. So, And uh, she tells a funny story. She's like, all that praying I did, and, she, and God gave you the uh, real piano skill, you know. <laughs> she's like, I wish I could hear the stuff that you hear. But yeah, b- before that, it was just all basketball. Um, I played at Colorado State and ended up going overseas and playing for a little bit. But even in that, like, my friends, when I was who, they're like, man, you need to do this music, man. You actually can sing, man. Like, what you doing, man? Let's really do this. I'm like, ah, you know. And I say, like, when I got out of college and got back from Australia. It was one of those things was like, yo, I want to take this serious. And from there, it just 
you know, it, it spun off to be what it is. And, I, you know, playing sports, I believe, like, if you're going to do something, you're going to do it fully and you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to have acid. And um, that's just how I look at things. And so I was like, people died to do music. You know, people fought to be able to sing the music that they love. And they dealt with so much. So I can't enter into this just any kind of way. But I did start off singing because the girls liked it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can sing. But it probably, you, you, uh, you aren't as great as a singer uh, unless you get that fresh barber cut. And then you... Oh, oh yeah, you know. Hey, that <laughs> Shout out to Casey, that... my barber, man. Casey, keep me fresh because he most definitely... Hey, I'm nothing without you, Casey. I'm nothing without you. <laughs> oh, ain't nobody got confidence until they got a haircut. So, uh, <laughs> so it started with singing uh, uh, in the choir. I love that story. Uh, you play piano. Uh Man, that really inspires me. You know, one of the one of the fundamentals I recently did with Sam Kulikov, a mutual friend uh, that we had, was teach yourself a new skill. And dude, I love '80s everything, like '80s over everything, like the culture, uh, the music, the movies. And one of my favorite movies from the '80s was Beverly Hills Cop. Mind for real, Joe? Like I'm telling you, we like we're like this, son. <laughs> hey. So. Hey. Uh, and so one of the songs, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. Right. Right. Oh, you're not going to fall for no banana in the tailpipe. You've been hanging around with this guy too much. Uh, <laughs> yo, man, don't be talking about the banana in the tailpipe. Uh, but uh, so I sat down and one of my goals has always been, I love that song, Axel F. Like the So I like, uh, I always wanted to learn to play that on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And the only thing stopping me, of course, was me uh, and the fact that I didn't have a keyboard. And yeah. so our daughter, uh, who's seven, she'd been talking about wanting a keyboard for forever. So we buy her a keyboard and Joe, it sits for six months. She don't do nothing with it. Uh, so I order the color, the color keys, right? Because yeah. I can't read music. So I read the color keys. Yeah. And so the video was me sitting down on the couch watching uh, Beverly Hills Cop. And then that song comes on and I get this idea and then I YouTube how to play Axel F on the keyboard and I teach myself oh, yeah. how to do it. And it was one of the most gratifying moments of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, which quick segue, you mentioned Beverly Hills Cop. I love it. What are some of your other favorite uh, like movies or shows coming up on? Like, what did you, what were you into growing up? I'm, I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan. Like, so... Coming to America is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I love the five heartbeats. I'm, I can watch it a zillion times. Um, I'm a big golden child. I like the golden child. I'm just, oh. Eddie Murphy was my guy. You yes. know what I mean? Um, and then like, what was one of my other really favorite movies? Um, I used to, The Never Ended Story was one of my favorite movies. Um, the Matrix is one of my like, like I can watch The Matrix a million times. It's like I find new stuff in the Matrix every time. Um, so that's one of my favorite movies as well. But yeah, those those good old school movies coming to America, Harlem Nights, those are some of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Is Harlem... No, I'm going to get you suckers when dude's walking around in the platforms. The, uh, I'm going to get you suckers. <laughs> one of my favorites too. It's <laughs> one of my favorites, you I can watch that a million times too. Oh my goodness. Yo. Well, uh, so the reason why I asked that question is first of all, you know, those memories, uh, sitting down watching those shows, 
laughing, all of those things can help you escape whatever drama, challenge, fear, anxiety, all that stuff that's going on. And so uh, right now, as you know, we're in the midst of an international pandemic, uh, social divide, political landscape that's like just crazy. A lot of stuff to focus our attention on that's not necessarily happy. So I love asking those questions to get a gist for uh, your personal foundation. But in addition, Joe, I found this new fire graphic designer. Her name is Audrey. And Mm -hmm. uh, dude, I cannot wait because with this information that you just gave me, she's going to put together the most bomb movie posters for this podcast Uh, you've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) So I digress because you started in singing. How did you then transition into producing music and writing beats? It was it was simple as this. I like I had some homies and I got back. They they were dope at producing. I always felt like they gave their B C D stuff. Yeah. You know. And so, and like I, I was like, man, it doesn't sound like it does are supposed to on the radio. Um, like I, I it doesn't sound like the stuff I hear on the radio. So I was like, I'm gonna learn this myself because they're not gonna be giving having me out here talking about this is good and it ain't really that good. <laughs> um, so I went and ventured off and like really figured out, try to figure out how to you know really really do beats and do the music. And I was you know phoning around and I did a little bit when I was in college anyway. But um, so I just became a student and uh, I was blessed because I had a mentor. My friend introduced me to this guy. His name is Craig Lindsay. He's from Wyandotte County, where I'm from. And he was like, man, you don't know Craig? And I'm like, no, who's Craig? You know what I mean? I don't know Craig. He's like, man, he's I like... Go. <laughs> right, right, right. But Craig has did, like, I Miss You, Aaron Hall. He did a lot of the MC engineering and, and uh, you know, did a lot of that stuff on MC Hammer stuff. He was part of, really, one of the people part of producing I Got Five on it. Um, but he's from Kansas City, and he was just, like, a guru. Like, he's somebody who had been in the game, so... I was blessed to be introduced to him and he mentored me. And that's when I really, things started really starting to take off for me. And because he really taught me from the engineering path, the real engineers, you know, like we're not cutting any corners. This is how it's supposed to sound. This is the frequency. This is this. And he's like, you know, he's seen something in me and he took, he took me in and I was rocking out with Craig at his house probably every day. I probably should, I'm pretty sure he got tired of me for like a year or two. (laughs) And um, I was just a student and, that's when everything transitioned to be what it is now. Yeah. So is that uh, Aaron Hall joint? Was that the I miss you? Yeah. I'm, I'm talking, talking to you, baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> so that was around the time when, uh, you remember when that Juice soundtrack came out and that Teddy Camp yep. was on there? Yep. Yep. Okay. Like that's, man, this is what I grew up to. And when you're talking about homies, like I can't think of, I can't think of homies without talking about some gangster lean. They all dedicated to my homies. What you know about this stuff, man? Hey, yo, we we're gonna get it in. You, you yeah, and, uh, this ain't the this ain't the last time we connect. Um, I got five on it at least. But uh, what I'm hearing yeah. you talk about beats and putting out those B and C beats, right, and keeping the keeping the good ones for yourselves or not having any good ones. It reminds me of that show, Dave. Did you watch that show with Lil Dicky? Yes, yes. That was fire. And so yes. that dude, so the producer, of course, Lil Dicky gets mad whenever he gives out his good beats because those are like yeah. <laughs> those are my beats. He's like, man, you can't have ten thousand my beats. <laughs> so, what was your big break? Like, 
you're working with Craig, you understand the work that it takes, uh, how, how music is produced, the sounds, how everything connects. And then now all of a sudden you're working with like the hugest names in the industry. What was the big break? It was a couple of things for me. I think about 2008, um, I was, I was, like an owner of a mortgage company, a part of a mortgage company. And I was doing that and music was there. And I bought, I was able to fund because I did all the homies that played in the NBA's houses for them. So I was like, oh, I got money, to, you know, shoot, I got money to buy my equipment with. So, um, that, then the crash happened, the mortgage crash. Yes. And so I was like, oh, I got to get out of this game because it's over for a while. And, uh, money got low, man. And I just like, you know what? I'm going to take this music a hundred percent. I'm just going to do the music until I run out of money. I know, I know this is me. I know God. I hear you, God. I'm, I'm going to do this. And it was funny because I took, my mom asked me, she said, baby, are you sure you don't want to go get a job? And I was like, mom, I know what God told me. Know what he told me. So I'm just going to do this. So I, December the 17th, I signed my first, um, I signed my first uh, publishing deal. And I got my checks on the 20th of that month, uh, three days later. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, so that was one of the big moments. The other big moment was when um, I, was, uh, I was in L.A. I uh, moved to L.A. 2010. And um, I'm, I actually ended up meeting a lot of good people. And I met this guy uh, by the name of Harmony. My friend Sharon introduced me to him. Um, and was a big producer. And so I sat in the studio with Harmony. He's like, you know, play me some records. So I played him some records and I thought I was the man because, you know, you leave Kansas City, you're like, yeah, people telling you're so dope. And and, um, and so I played him records and then you good. And then um, he played me records and I was like, So I was like, yeah, I might as well go home. If that, if I can't, this dude is crazy. Like his stuff is like on a whole nother level. And so what I learned then was Sonics and he, and, you know, and I was like, man, I have to step my game up. And so that pushed me to really step my game up. But that same guy called me one day and asked me, he said, hey, Joe, I want to bring you in to do vocal production on this girl's album. And um, he was like, man, you don't really know who she is but she's a star. And I was like, all right, man, whatever. I just was wanting to be a part of something, you know? And I was like, man, I'm with you, whatever you want me to do. And that girl was Ariana Grande. Uh. Yeah. And so after that, we recorded the first song. She loved it. And we took pictures because it was such a good time and such good energy. She said, Joe, can I post this picture? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know who she is. Like my nieces and nephews knew who she was. I didn't know who she was. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, post it. I'd love for you to post it. Cool. She posted the picture. She left the studio. And Jose and uh, Jose, who was the engineer, was like, bro, I bet you if you check your Instagram now, it's going crazy. I was like, what? He's like, go check your Instagram, dog. She posted the picture. So I went to my Instagram. Next thing I know, (laughs) blood. I had like 5,000 followers within like two minutes. Wow. I was like, who is she? <laughs> so, but, you know, that was like the beginning of me knowing like Ariana Grande is the real deal. And now we see who she is. And I was able to work on her first and second album. That's crazy. So yeah. do you have children, Joe? 
Forgive me. I have a son. I have a son. How yeah. old is he? He's two. Okay. He's two. Baby. Nice. That's a fun He's age. Two. So we got two. Our daughter, Adeline, she's seven. And uh, so she likes Ariana Grande, but not for her music. Uh, she watches all those old shows that she used to do. And so yeah, yeah. if you've ever seen any of those old shows, she, uh, she first of all, she is a funny ass actor, but she looks nothing like she does now. It's crazy. Nothing. That's that L.A. Nothing. That's that L.A. Yeah. Nothing, man. So, uh, so, so speaking of L.A., what was that transition like moving from uh, KCK to L.A.? Man, that transition was crazy. It was it was liberating, but at the same time, you can come in at the same time. It was it was like you're in the midst of you're in the midst of like some of the greatest to be here, and you just you're like the, you're just trying to find your place. You know what I mean? And it's really difficult to find your place amongst people that they, you feel like they are successful and they're doing this and they're doing that. But you start to find out that a lot of that smoke and mirrors. Boy, you know. everything, and right? Like we're talking yeah. IG, like all the social. I see all these people tell me about what all these other folks are doing. I'm like, why do you think that? It's like, well, that's what they showed me. And it's like, yeah. I, I ain't about that. So I admire somebody that presents themselves to be the most authentic version of themselves because like, you know, we only live once. And yeah. why do you care so much about impressing other people? And so when I hear your story, specifically, what really excites me when I talk to folks like you, Joe, is um, when you talk about those vulnerable moments. So when you're like the crash happened and the money was almost out, and Woo! mama asked me, should you get a real job? I can relate to that so much because uh, in my industry, uh, really ravaged by the pandemic, but long before that, it was so up and down and I didn't know what speaking was. Like, I didn't know that motivational speaking could be a job. It's a thing. Right. It's exactly. a great one. Well, yeah. Thank you. So, but I didn't realize that it was an occupation. So I'm just out here grinding. I'm marketing myself as a consultant and all this stuff and Many of you guys listening have heard this story before, but I remember my mother saying like, you, you should, my mama told me the same thing, Joe, you should really think about getting a real job. And I'm like, but mom, like this, this is a real job. And she's like, I just, I'm not sure that there's money in it. I don't know that organizations are paying for consulting. And I'm like, I know I've done the research that organizations have paid $6 billion every single year. It's a $6 billion industry. And my mom's telling me there's no money in it. And so sometimes you just got to push your chips in, Joe, like you did and say, I'm betting on myself because I think I got it. Yeah. Have you always been that way or did it take you, did it take you some time to have that confidence in yourself? I'll tell you, Wyandotte County kind of breeds you like that. Um, We, we walk around, a lot of us walk around, especially those I hooped against with the chip on our shoulder because um, the surroundings for us at a time where they were difficult and, we looked at it like, yo, I'm a fight because I know I have the best in me. I'm going to always wish to be the best. And so like that has been there. It, 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 you know, when I get into situations like coming to LA, it helped me realize how much I was groomed and prepared before I got there. Mm-hmm. And so it made me realize like this, which y'all, because it would be, it would go into sessions and they'd be like, oh, you engineer? Oh, you produce? Oh, you, you can play the piano? 
I'm like, yeah, y'all don't do that. <laughs> a lot of people really don't. They don't do what they say they're doing. You know what I mean? For sure. And so I was like, man, I'm prepared for this. I'm built for this. And it, it was one of those things. Like I, I've always been someone who's like, I'm going to push myself, and I know I, there's nothing that I can't do. Mm. If I if I study, if I research, if I put in the work, there's nothing I can't do. And I'll tell you what it's done, I'm, and I'm pretty sure it did the same for you. When I signed my first deal and I was able to show my mom those checks, she said this to me and it changed my life. She says, baby, you got me dreaming again. And I was like, wow, because they grew up in knowing that a nine to five is what they, hey, we got to go work a job, take care of the family. And she realized, she said, you have me dreaming because I never in a million years thought you can make this type of money producing or writing music. So I was able to, woman who pushed the dream to help her dream again was the big thing for me. Man. Know? Hey, Joe, you just found the, the, the title to this podcast. Baby, Man. you got me dreaming again. Hey, I love it. <laughs> hey, that's tight. <laughs> hey. So, hey, side note, I'm still waiting on my mama to say something it's like she's proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know what's interesting? As a fundamental podcast listener, if you guys are listening in, you obviously heard the confidence in Joe's uh, abilities. He had the confidence and it was groomed in him at a young age. Uh, but then it wasn't without struggle. Like he still hit that moment where it was like, oh, like, oh shit, is this right? Like, I gotta, I gotta bet on myself. I gotta invest. And I know many of you um, struggle. I struggle at times knowing when to invest in yourself. And I could point to a specific moment in the beginning of this pandemic where we didn't have a lot of revenue coming in. And I knew that I had to create a, a little studio in home to be able to make it happen. Well, that was going to be thousands of dollars. And so I thought to myself, well, mm. I could sit here and chill and wait for live events to happen, or I could push my chips in and invest in the skill set that I think that I got and see what happens. And I'll tell you, it's paid dividends as it has for you as well, Joe. But with that said, you know, what's interesting is even with all that confidence, you still got into that studio with, I believe it was Harmony, and you had that, uh, you had that imposter syndrome moment like, oh man, I don't know that I belong here. So, but you did. What is it, what is it about, why do you think we do that? Like, you, you express the fact that you already have so much more than what everybody else is doing because they're saying that they got it, but they don't. And then you get in this moment yeah. and you believe you got it, but you see somebody else and you're like, nah, I ain't got it. Why are we like that? Yeah. It's because we have doubts. Like you, have, you have so many people telling you that something can't be done. And I, I've watched it my whole life. I mean, uh, and when you start to even, something as simple as us being on this Zoom call. I, I mean, <laughs> who said that uh, there would be a Wi-Fi connection that me and you were able to talk on the phone or talk through our computer? You know, like, so... I had to really start to analyze things and when people were telling me stuff that could be done. And sometimes that it discouraged me and it got me to a place, but I had to shake that off and be like, yo, there's nothing I can't accomplish. Like, how do I get there? Even though they doubt me, even though they can't see the vision that was given to me, even though they may not understand the purpose of why I'm doing what I'm doing, I have to keep going. And something, it's somebody out there that needs me to do this mm. because I may be the deciding factor for them. You Baby, know. you got me dreaming so, again. Man, <laughs> man. <laughs> hey, if you're listening in, clearly uh, you are, and we thank you. I hope that what you're taking from this discussion is that um, you always have doubt. 
And um, if Joe and myself could find our passion, our joy, our fundamentals, uh, we could find an occupation that lifts us up and gives us strength that we don't wake up every single morning just dreading going into the office. Believe it or not, you can too. You just got to figure out what you're passionate about and push your chips in. You got to be deliberate about a plan. I'm not saying just toss everything up in the air and say, I'm doing this. You have to have a plan. But ultimately, it takes commitment to yourself and confidence in your skill set. So, Joe, this leads me to one of my final questions, man. You've obviously, you cut up with some amazing people. You've been in the business for a bit. You've uh, been overseas hooping. That's how we met, not overseas, but at Luther's gym. Uh, I hit a game winner against Tyreek. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he forgot, though. (laughs) But anyway... um, my question is, what has been the most memorable moment for you in your journey? Like, if you think about all the amazing experiences that you've got to uh, to be involved in, whether it's a LA party or working with a specific artist, what is the first memorable moment that comes to your mind? I, I think I have, there's two. two okay. kind of, being able to share with my family and friends. Okay. Um, because a lot of people sometimes like when you, when you get to a certain level in their career in their career they kind of forget where they come from. So to be able to have my friends come out and enjoy and, and enjoy and benefit and meet people as well, and to be able to create a, a position or a job for them too, that's been most one of the most liberating. But the one of working with an artist or being in the artist's presence is Diana Ross. Mm. Um, uh, me and Evan Ross are really cool. I was able to um, be part of this TV show. He, they have called it the Evan and Ashley uh, Ross show. And um, I was able to film, be a part of a production with Diana Ross. Mm. You know, she doesn't get out for just anybody. So for her to do this interview, that's like the first interview she's done in like maybe a decade or something like that. Mm. And so she was on this show with us and being able to watch Diana Ross walk in a room Look at her in her face, shake her hand, hug her, and her tell me about stories about one of my favorite artists, Marvin Gaye, um, was, I would have to say, the moment in my career, like, how did we get here? You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, and just her, her grace and her humbleness and to know that she is just an amazing person and just being able to say, like, Oh, she, that beautiful spirit that we see on stage is who she is in real life, you mm-hmm. know? And so and just to be able to conversate with her and just pick her brain about that era of music, because that was, that was the era, man. Like, now, is that what your mom came up on too? Like listen to Diana yeah. Austin, Tina Turner and all them, Marvin Gaye? Yeah. And so just imagine like just my mom and my father and all of them were just like, Diana Ross, you you know, like, that's crazy, you know, so for me, it was wild, like, I was like, you know, I, I haven't been starstruck over, if not a lot of artists, you know, but Diana Ross was most definitely the thing, I I was, I wasn't lost for words, man. And you should be, that's a legend, you know, like, and I think, and and I would take that uh, one step further. And not not only is she a legend, but I'm guessing that some of your memories, like growing up, 
uh, involve, you know, your mom, your dad jamming out to some Motown stuff. Right. And so yeah. dude, I can recall every Saturday morning, my mom waking me up vacuuming, just jamming out to Motown. One of my most memorable moments is I got yeah. the opportunity. I used to work at farmer's insurance and they had a, a box at Sprint Center. And so on Tina Turner's farewell tour, she came to the Sprint Center. So I got to take my mama to see Tina Turner. And Joe, when uh, I tell you, my mom did not sit down the whole time. <laughs> it was one of the most gratifying moments of my life. So when you talk about sharing that with family and friends, I could certainly relate, man. Um, yeah, yeah. One last question for you. Music drives us. It's the great connection. Obviously, it moved you to a career. What's the first cassette or CD you could recall having? It was, it was, it was a tape. My friend had made me a tape with all the hits on it. <laughs> like, you know, when you could like re-record, like the radio would play and they would yeah. record their yes. favorite. It was, that was one. Of, but the other one was, I want to say the very, one of the first CDs that I bought was a Tupac CD. Mm. Um, and just his message when I, you know, first of all, I had to sneak and get it because my mom was like, what is this? You know, but listening to Pac and his, his insight on life at that time was like, whoa, like it, it's still for something. And it's still to me, gravitated to me. And it says it spoke like so much life into me, man. So. Goodness. Uh, those are, uh, those are some of my favorites. I grew up on Pac, obviously. My first cassette that I can recall getting uh, was Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. <laughs> My first CD that I can recall getting. Uh, oh, I, I missed out on some MC Breed. That was one of my first. MC Breed, what you know about Breed, man? Hey, ain't no future in your front, so. Ain't no future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my first CD was E40 in a major way. And uh, to this day, E40 is one of my favorite artists. And I, like you, don't get starstruck. Specifically, yeah. like, I feel like individuals, no matter it, like it, whether you're in show business or an athlete or a successful producer, whatever it may be, like yeah. you never know what somebody's intention is in getting to know you, right? And so all you long for, at least this is what I believe, is yeah. just a personal, genuine connection where people treat yeah. you like a freaking human being, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, I don't get starstruck very often, but the other day uh, I, I heard a new E40 song and I tagged him in my IG story. And that dude shared it to his IG. And so I sent a group text to all my homies that I grew up with. And I was like, <laughs> I made it fail. <laughs> I, I told him, I said, y'all going to drink out of jelly jars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but man, all that stuff was good. I will also, last memory I have, my mom had to call ahead uh, because then parental advisory, see, you couldn't buy them, right? So my mom had to call ahead. And yeah. I got that DeBrat CD. And I thought I was it. You remember Ooh. that Brad dropped? <laughs> that joint was hard. And Brad and then Jermaine had at the time with the kids at the playground. <laughs> ABC, get ABC. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they had that. He had all the groups, man. Chris Cross and Yeah, my You are the girl that I never had. And I want <laughs> to get to know you better. <laughs> yeah. And then Chris Cross came out. We was dressing with our clothes on backwards. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Go to the street dances with our clothes on backwards. What were we thinking, man? Joe, uh, in closing, man, what's next for you? Like, I know that um, 
I know this pandemic has really ravaged the musical industry, right? Live concerts is how a lot of folks make their money. Yeah. Um, the streaming industry has kind of changed the game and how money is made as well. What's next for Joe Black? Uh, what's next for me is really creating and uh, building the new Motown of Kansas City, I would say. Um, there's so many dope artists here, and I just believe it's our time to have that same energy that Atlanta has, that L.A. has been able to uh, you know, get and have in New York. I think Kansas City is a lot of people don't realize how much jazz and this great musicianship comes from you know, Man. Kansas City. Well, so uh, I've, I've been able to uh, form a good team. Um, we call ourselves the Jetpack, Tim Agute, and a young lady by the name of Effie and, and uh, Alina. And they're just amazing people. And just uh, we want to just bring in artists that are amazing and we see the vision and they see the vision with us to create something in Kansas City that's Motown ish. Mm. You know, well. As somebody that uh, aspires to be uh, on the inside looking out of a musician's life, I can't wait to chill in the studio with you, man. You're one of those guys that is bringing that noise to Kansas City. I admire you so much. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you for coming on the Fundamism Podcast. And uh, to the Fundamism Podcast listener, we greatly appreciate you tuning in. We couldn't be this without you. And so hopefully what you took from Joe and I's conversation is that we all come from some place and with a plan. Uh, enjoy fun and fulfillment at our side. We could accomplish anything, even through imposter syndrome. You do belong. You just got to have confidence in yourself and do the damn thing. Uh, we encourage you today to go out and have some fun and create some fun in the lives of others. And until we catch you on the flip side, nooses.